Grab a cuppa and take a seat. This is the Disability Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Disability Podcast. This week we are talking to Carrie, myself, Bethany, Stephen, Zoe and Cameron. So to start us off, Carrie... Do you mind maybe talking a little bit about when you were first diagnosed with autism? And I wondered as well, is it true that girls are often harder to diagnose? Yeah, those assigned female at birth are usually um, a lot. It, it is statistically a thing that um, those assigned female at birth are diagnosed a lot later. I think because mm-hmm. this is this is now going into gender politics, but because you know the girls are meant to be like very quiet and and demure and so if 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 they seem to just not understand something or they take time processing something they're just like oh that's fine you silly woman and this is me just being really stereotypical like I'm sure it's a lot more complex than that but no I think I think because boys are expected I mean I'm not I'm I'm obviously not a lad so I can't say the full experience but they're expected to you know be very boisterous and like do 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 the do the the sports and they and so when they're not like that people then raise their eyebrows but obviously that's it's a lot more nuanced than that and everything but yeah it's Mm. I'd like to feel like it's coming around a lot more as the gender binary is breaking down a little bit um in terms of when I was diagnosed um I was really early um I think the when I was doing research about it a few years ago, I think the average was four and a half that tends to be diagnosed. Um, I think the Asperger's, it was six and a half, but I was diagnosed, and there's a couple of funny stories about that, but I was diagnosed when I was two and a half. And oh, wow. that was, yeah, really young. And that's because um, I have three elder siblings. I was really fortunate because um, basically my mum was saying when her and my dad were just like sitting watching some home videos and they would you know they, I was in the room as well just doing my thing as a, as a two-year-old um and they were watching a home video and my sister um she was doing like playing things and my mum in the home video was saying oh just go get this go get this plastic pan and like do that and she was doing it and they were looking at me as they were watching it and they realized Caroline would never be able to do that like they would take a long time and originally they thought it's because I was deaf so mm. they went to check my hearing and they were like no um they can hear you it's just that I don't think they're registering it so maybe get them checked for autism so that's how I ended up being diagnosed so early so really it's because you know I had three older siblings and then they got to me and being like you're weird <laughs> something's up with you (laughs) um yeah that's why I was diagnosed so early and then it means people don't um uh, like they they say oh you don't look autistic but that's because when I was so young um they managed to put all these things in place to Mm. like for me to learn how to take part in conversations like I remember in primary school I was having conversation classes like how to participate in a conversation um and all of the different like music therapies and just so many different therapies that you know when you look from the outside you wouldn't know right away and then I I could go into whole digression about stereotyping of autistic people but yes in answer to your question I was diagnosed when I was two and a half (laughs) 
That's so young. I know, yeah. And and now, uh, in my minimal research, I um, saw that there were uh, three kind of levels of functional autism. And now when you were diagnosed originally, was it one stage and it, it, did it develop into another stage? Or was it, how did that go about in like kind of identifying what type of autism you had? So all, so I was diagnosed with autistic spectrum disorder. Um, I don't really know about, I mean, I know there's Asperger's, but I think that term is now um, being less used or it's not really an official diagnosis anymore because mm-hmm. I think um, it's now just become the general umbrella of autism as far as I'm aware, but I, I could be incorrect about that. Um, yeah, no, I think in terms of me and my process with my autism, I mean, that's all I've never had the, the quote unquote another level I've had to deal with it was more me managing learning to manage my autism because for a lot of my life uh, and growing up um there was a lot of um I've never been very public about it but um um there's a lot of internalized ableism going on like because of bullying and things like that a lot of a part of me really just rejected that part of me and I didn't want to be associated with being disabled for such a long time and it wasn't until university where I realized hey I actually could do a lot I could achieve a lot more within myself if I actually acknowledge the things I struggle with and find mechanisms to go past it so it wasn't like I had different levels of everything it was just me realizing my capabilities and my strengths and weaknesses and learning how to manage that accordingly well carrie i was gonna i normally leave this one for further down the line but i felt like you were already itching for it so i might as well ask now uh we often ask on this podcast for our guests to tell us about any myths or misconceptions that they might like to to break especially if it's ones that are in the media or tv or film and stuff like that so yeah far away are there kind of those cliches and stereotypes that we often see that are just you know, plain wrong, need correcting? Well, firstly, I'm shite at maths. <laughs> I'm absolutely terrible. Um, as, as someone who a lot of people refer to me as their film nerd, um, I've seen a lot of incorrect representation of autistic people. Um, I think a big thing for me is when I say I'm autistic, I have people say, oh, but you don't look autistic. I'm like, well, what the heck does that even mean? <laughs> um, I think, I think um, a lot of representation of autistic, it's mainly children, first and foremost, like young, young people. And they're mm. usually boys. They're normally white. Um, and so when you meet someone who's autistic and they don't meet that, you either think, um what the hell um or you think they're faking it I mean I had that I had someone accuse me of faking it when I was in high school I said um oh I'm autistic and they're like oh but my cousin's autistic and you're not like that and I'm like well Mm. I can't (laughs) okay (laughs) cool good for you (laughs) um and so it's, it, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that there's only one form of autism. It's mm. so individualistic. It's so unique. Um, and I think 
with the whole thing about you know autistic people being good at maths it comes from the fact of the main representation of obviously kids being good uh, autistic kids being good at maths but it's because a lot of autistic people I know for me I always refer to it people call it an obsession but I refer to it as a constant because I feel like an obsession has like a a negative um, Mm. connotation Mm. that I don't like but it's something that you know when you're struggling or you feel overwhelmed you have that one constant that reassures you and kind of nurses you back to your normal so for me my constant would be playing pokemon playing like video games um or watching films or listening to podcasts um but for the main um the mainstream representation of autistic people it's maths that's what they think it is Mm. um and and like obviously that the reason why that's the mainstream is because it's probably common or there's a lot of good cases of autistic children being really good at maths because there's such a structure to it. There's there's a right and a wrong. There's no blurred lines to it. So it makes sense. But mm. I think mm. what's unfortunate, and I think that conversation is being brought up again now because of Sia's new film, Music, which I'm planning on watching this week and I'm probably going to roast it on social media. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the, I think the biggest misconception um is that there's one type of autism when actually Mm. it's completely dependent on the person and what they've experienced and what they find is comforting for them yeah what do you think is the um like a representation you've watched that you think is really accurate Mm. if you oh yeah um it's ironically saying this but when i watched curious incident of the dog in the night time and I watched the play. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried um, because um, because I went to see it with my family, and afterwards I said to my family, "I have never seen a piece of media that has depicted the way my brain works as accurately as that mm. play did." Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so it hit me so hard, um, and also because. Um, I mean, this is sort of semi-spoilers of the play, um, but the, when the, the, basically the, when Christopher, the main character, was was a small boy and was just diagnosed, that that they showed such um, fractions in the family, and I really felt that because I felt I I think I thought I thought I blamed myself for a lot of like family arguments and um like the fractures of my family because I felt like I was just making their situation a lot worse with me but obviously like I can't blame myself I was just a child and I didn't Mm. know how life worked um but watching all of that just really overwhelmed me but you could also say that it also reinforced the stigma of autistic people being good in maths reinforced the fact that autistic kids are mainly white boys but I think it was still a good first step into uh, achieving a, a, a decent representation of autistic people. I think just the big problem now is kind of expanding what it means to be autistic. Like now we've got like a good example of a specific autism for one person. We can now start to expand our horizons of what we think that means. And I think also what the problem is with um uh, films about autistic people is that every time um someone says they're autistic or like there's a character who's autistic um 
that's kind of their whole characteristic. Like that's mm-hmm. their token thing of like, I'm the disabled person who provides mm-hmm. a sad thing that propels the to get the protagonist mm-hmm. to achieve the thing they need to do, rather than not having an actual goal for themselves and finding ways to achieve them, or they need like a lot of help from other people and them lacking their own initiative, which sometimes is the case because they don't have the mental capabilities to do that. But it's always just been really frustrating to me that's that um, someone in media just can't be autistic and that's just an aspect and they have their own stuff to do, um, which is unfortunate. But I think with the whole film coming out with Sia and people just essentially roasting it, I think that it brings the conversation back again of like, we can't just, you know, use disabled people as like a a a taboo or like a yeah yeah disabled people's life is really hard like we actually need to depict an honest representation of disabled people and I think since I you know was starting to come to terms with my disability and realizing my internalized ableism was so harmful um I realized how important representation really is and so Mm. Yeah, the whole thing about representation of disabled people is a is a really big topic for me. So I'm very passionate about it. I suppose is what I'm gonna say. Well, this this is potentially maybe opening <laughs> something that could be a whole other podcast. But um, <laughs> I was hearing a lot recently. It was actually referring more to do with because yeah, I know you're from an acting drama place, so that you're the, exactly the person to ask on this. But what I was listening to was to do with race and maybe people playing, you may, maybe somebody playing a, a Jewish role if they weren't Jewish and this, all that, that kind of thing. What what would be your feelings about, uh, you know, uh, an actor with without autism playing the part of of an autistic character? Um, I mean, I know there's not any kind of right or wrong answer for these things, but is that the sort of thing where do you almost think in a way? Is it better to have somebody playing a role who who knows the experience rather than somebody trying to act it? So the, the thing is, is that it that's always been the case. Um, there's probably very small cases of autistic people playing autistic characters. But most mm. of the time, it's able-bodied people playing yeah. autistic characters. And I get it. And... Um, it, knowing the industry and how it works it's not it's not safe for an autistic person to do it it's an incredibly intense environment so I mean there are autistic actors out there well I'm not saying that that's not the case but I can understand why studios or directors don't want to take risks and cast an able-bodied person to play an, an autistic person but actually what they're doing is enforcing the idea that it's just a quirk or that it's something mm. that you can pretend that you have when actually my experience with autism, I don't want to say it dominates my life, but I want to say that, um, you know, you can't pretend to have autism because as I said, it's so intricate and so nuanced and so individualistic. You're just, you're as an able-bodied person, you're just going to take stereotypes. Like whether you mean to or not, mm. you're going to take stereotypes of, autistic people and you're just gonna impose it even more that that is the norm and that's why it's incredibly harmful um it's like um when eddie redmayne played um a trans woman in the danish girl 
like you probably had all the best intentions in the world but you are reinforcing that idea that being trans is a quirk or like it's something that you can just pretend to have when actually there's a lot of um emotional um development going on there and also emotional trauma that an able-bodied person uh, in the case of disabled people will never really understand um Mm. so in so it's kind of one of those things where I know it happens and I understand why it happens and I am upset that it happens and that something does need to change and that's why like for me I feel there's a responsibility whenever I'm making my own podcast or like I'm posting on social media I'm so open and honest about my disability because it normalizes um autism first and foremost but also it encourages the idea of like oh autism is different for different people yeah I mean I think that's great because I think like from all these conversations that we've had on this podcast I think it's great this idea of redefining what the things mean I think it's so, so much in the in the learning what what something isn't you kind of discover more what mm-hmm. it is and um how you know each of us aren't you know defined by these labels that once you kind of get to know the whole of a person you realize that's just one one bit or whatever um I, I, i'm still keeping at this but only because i really really have enjoyed you chatting about this in the same way that zoe was asking there about you um to tell us about a good representation i just wondered if you could maybe pick out one specific stinker of a representation <laughs> um maybe in in the in the media or films or you know whatever um if there's anything where you just thought they totally got that wrong Oh, well, here's the thing. I, when I know a piece of media has bad representation of autistic people, I most likely haven't watched it because it'll just <laughs> anger me to the point I can't function. So I haven't seen Rain Man. Um, I haven't, I mean, I'm planning on watching music, which is the new Sia film for my podcast, um, but that's the only reason why I would be watching it because I've read things like, for example, I mean, there's a whole discourse about Sia refusing to cast an autistic person in the role. Um, and that's a whole discussion mm. in of itself. But there's a point in it, which I've read, where they have an or- the autistic child in prone position. So that means they're on the floor, their hands are out, their arms are out, and their face is like directly on the floor. Which just, because they're, they're meant to be having like a uh, a meltdown or something, or they're having like a bit of a freak out. And no you don't do that (laughs) because not only does it make it worse of like you don't have the space to process what's going on but they also said that it can kill them like there's Mm -hmm. instances of like having an autistic child in prone position there is a possibility to kill them and Mm. i'm sorry i don't know the exact details of why that happens but doing that is just adding unnecessary trauma to that child that Mm. is absolutely disgusting and things like that where it normalizes that and the fact that the film has already been nominated is it golden globes like because they're like oh yes it's a film about autistic people and discusses about autistic people Mm. oh it's so important we need to break the taboo with actually no common sense as or no knowledge of how harmful the film actually is so yeah. This is me preempting that the film is a stinker, but <laughs> rather than 
<laughs> rather than oh this is a really terrible example because of this um but also i've seen clips where oh, i can't really describe it but like the movements of what the autistic character does in like their fantasies mm-hmm. and it's meant to be bright colors and like really when actually that's not a very nice thing for an autistic person to have they are like having so much stimulus to process and these really like heart like very stereotypical and downright inaccurate um depict like movements I can't it's almost caricaturized and very like I'm really hesitant to say it but it's like um stereotypical of what a disabled person would look like if that makes sense mm-hmm. um which was just really hurtful for me to look at um Anyway, sorry, I, I, mm. I just know it's going to be a horrible film in terms of <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, autistic representation. And the fact that it's already been nominated for awards just shows how utterly clueless the film industry is with uh, representation of disabled people and what's the best way going forward. Mm. Um, it, it's just a whole self-congratulatory act really rather than an actual um um consideration of representation i think that's just such a i don't know i I feel like something that hollywood could do is maybe ask disabled people what it's actually like being disabled (laughs) because like you said this this could be all the trans thing like it probably wasn't made with bad intentions but the thing is, they're doing it from the point of view of binary people or of able-bodied people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And obviously, you can never understand what it's like to be someone who has like something like that or is someone, you know. So, I think that that's what they could do first. Maybe just ah. Oh. <laughs> well, that's the thing because I read, I did a whole load of research into it because I was just like, how can you get it so catastrophically wrong? Um, so apparently they were that Sia was like talking with a charity for autistic people but actually when you look into the history of the organization she was talking to they perpetuate really harmful um advice about autistic children and really bad advice so it already there was a there was a foundation of really harmful um information that's going to be perpetuated in the film and Mm. when they were because they were trying at the beginning to cast an autistic person in the role um but the the autistic people found the the autistic actors i should say when they were on set they found it too stressful and had to leave the project and they just essentially gave up in the end and cast maddie ziegler um who's a frequent collaborator of see it um and if anything in that example it's not that you were justified to cast an able-bodied person it's that you're aware that the film set and the film industry is not accessible for everyone that you can't shape and you can't for one instance shape an environment that is friendly to everyone and that doesn't um, exclude people from making art that they want to make that accurately depicts them. Um, God, I was going to wrap this on my podcast, and I'm sorry that you're getting all of this <laughs> in your podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm just, oh, it's infuriating because like the information is there. The right, the access to information is there. But people are just so caught up in like, I want to tell this story because I want to look like a good person mm. is just warped and twisted and just downright 
because like for me growing up like I didn't have any representation of autistic people at all um it's better now obviously but growing up I didn't have any representation that that where I saw myself on television or in films and being bullied so horrifically in high school because I took this council bus where funded by the council they would take disabled kids from from home to school in the, in the morning and then vice versa after school um and I would have kids sorry this is a bit of a trigger warning for for ableist slurs but they would call it the downy bus they would call it the window liquor bus they would call me the r word they would say such horrific things that because I didn't know better I didn't have an outside source of information telling me that you know what they're doing is wrong and your and you know your feelings and your experience is valid mm-hmm. I just pushed everything down I like locked that bit of me away and ignored the problems I was having because I wanted to fit in when actually if I if that if I had the information that was out there now and there was an industry that treated autistic people properly I wouldn't have had that problem and it's such a shame to still see stuff like this happen because I know that there's stuff out there that could have helped them um and I just know they're going to be loads of kids in high school that are going to see that and be like well I guess my I guess my autism is invalid and it's wrong and I'm just doing it wrong so I'm just gonna I don't know hide that part of myself which you know is 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 a sad truth of it all really well if you could just have like one sentence that you would say or as many sentences you want that you would say to your old self you know when people were calling you those horrible you know ableist slurs um like what I don't know what piece of advice would you go and give to that person who's going through that you're valid Hmm. like you you don't well they don't you don't deserve this at all and what you're feeling is normal you feeling overwhelmed with people just talking in a classroom like that's valid and that's because there's a part of you that makes it hard sometimes to hear loud amount of noises and that is okay you are more than fine to say to a teacher can I just take a breather and come back I mean whether the teacher would do that is another question but anyway um but like you are more than fine who you are and you don't need to hide that part of yourself um like and it was the thing of my family were like cool with it like my mum I I grew up my mum had loads of parties and would invite people over for drinks all the time um and we would have we what we called it for me was my orty time for when I the, the noises were too much there was too much going on I would just hide in my room for a bit or I would sit in a corner and cuddle my dog and I would probably be there it could be five minutes could be an hour, could be however long I needed in order to get back in, get back into the social atmosphere. But my family accepted that I can't function properly if I don't have that time. Um, mm. 
Um, and so, yeah, our, what I would say to that younger person would be just like, you are, you are, your experiences are like not accepted yet, but that doesn't mean you have to hide that away. You are valid and you can achieve anything you want. You just need to let go of trying to seem quote unquote normal when actually that's a load of bollocks anyway. I think that's good advice for not just autistic people, but a lot of disabled young people in general. Because I think yeah. a lot of us have felt that way before. Yeah. yeah. Especially with learning difficulties. Definitely. I have a quick question too about, um, you know, with media representation and all of that, how do you feel about this like ongoing stigma and it's big now with COVID and stuff like that about vaccinations and these anti-vaxxers and saying, you know, vaccines lead to autism and that's kind of their biggest selling point as to not get vaccinated how, how do you feel with being someone with autism hearing that being perpetuated in the media honestly <laughs> i just laugh because I'm like, it obviously shows such an an ableist part of yourself such an intolerant part of yourself that you would much rather have a kid that is seriously ill or become or or gets really unwell or dies worst case of uh, obviously you would rather have that than have an autistic child and that just shows how intolerant you are how ill-informed you are and god you're just a moron like i mean there was a point a few years ago where it upset me i was like okay you're you are not a nice person but now i'm just at a point of like it's so out there now how stupid that means i think even the scientist who made that claim has been completely disregarded by the 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 the, the scientific community because it was just so inaccurate and so harmful mm-hmm. um so it's just, I think in that case, when people are like, oh, I'm not going to vaccinate my child because it makes them autistic. I'm just like, okay, you do you. Like, you're just obviously, you just don't want to actually learn the facts. You're warped in your own idea of what reality is. You just go off with your tinfoil hat and live and and live your life. Just just don't, just, just whatever. I, it's that part of me where I'm like, there's too much going on for me to invest my energy in people who are a lost cause. So <laughs> um, that's kind of where I resorted myself. But I just think with those kinds of people, you're not going to change their minds. They mm. are in a world of their own. And I think the only way you could possibly change their minds is if, like my, what my dad always said, um, you, you don't know what being autistic is about until you're forced to deal with it, i.e., having a child that's autistic so unless you have that experience you're never going to know what it's like so whatever basically and i'm curious too have you ever seen the show atypical and what were your thoughts on it i have not because i think at that point i was still i mean firstly also white boy with autism I'm like there's been a lot of stories about that and I've heard it, it's it's an accurate depiction so I'm not gonna berate it for that but you know I there are so many 
um, dramas and comedies about autistic people that are just, they're told from the perspective of the same people. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm just like, unless you show me something new, unless you show me uh, an experience of an autistic person that isn't, that is anything else, any other background, I will, I'm just bored of watching the same things over and over again. Like I remember of, I remember a few a few years ago, BBC One had a drama called The A Word, and it was about um, a young kid that was diagnosed, and the family were having to deal with it. I'm like, I am so bored of just a young kid being having a disability and the family that um uh, in disarray over it. I'm like. So basically, the disabled characters are there to propel the able-bodied people to, uh, quote unquote, get woke. Anyway, that's a different topic altogether. In terms of atypical, um, no, I haven't watched it just because you know, I feel like those kind of shows shows are for people who are not autistic and are like, oh, cool, let's learn about this. When being autistic myself, I'm like. I know my life, I know what it's like to be autistic, so I'm just going to carry on with my existence, really. In terms of the lockdowns and kind of like adjusting to living through COVID, how have you found that whole experience, Carrie? Oh, you know what? I've... um... I was thinking the other day it's actually made my autism worse well not worse but like mm. it's like for example I got I'm I am a, I'm only working weekends at the moment um and I might have like five days straight not having any plans and then a whole weekend of just intense um interaction with people that when I come home from work I have to take a nap or like I have to take a couple mm. days to recuperate because it's just so much for my brain to deal with. And it's gotten to a point where, so I always thought, I just called it zoning out, where basically my eyes like go a bit blurry and I just go up into my head just thinking and I'm not really taking in my surroundings. But then I realised recently they were dissociative episodes um, where it's meant to be like a way of dealing with stress. Um but I realised it was happening so much more frequently in moments where I shouldn't really be stressed at all. Like when I'm sat down at the dinner table and my mum is making a roast dinner and we're all just chatting and it's all really calm. I'm still zoning out and having a dissociative episode. So I realised, you know, those dissociative episodes were like not good, obviously. So I rang my doctor about it and they basically said, uh, with your autism and the way your brain works, you basically have gone a bit rusty in your socialization skills. So just genuinely talk to your friends more and have more evenings where you chat to your friends. And I'm like, so if you literally just prescribe me to talk to friends. So I've been doing that a lot more and actually has been a bit easier. But yeah, because we've now had long periods for me personally of no contact, hardly anything at all. And then having those Zoom meetings with family or with friends where it's all loud, even if like, visually there's not much going on it's just sound wise there's so much going on I end up feeling so tired and I could probably only last for maybe a couple of hours before I'm like okay no I need to leave because I'm just this is too much uh and I need to go like like for example when I came home from work yesterday um uh, I was just so tired and we were having a family zoom 
and I just I just had to miss it and sleep because it was so tiring from work I couldn't even muster a zoom meeting Mm. with family so it has Mm. um affected me in in quite a sad way because it does it does limit like me talking to friends and family that I would love to catch up on but just because of my brain and the, the whole lockdown situation and it's really restricted the stimuli I'm having to process it's meant that any stimuli that I do get it just ties mm. me out so much quicker yeah um Carrie I have a, a usual thing on this podcast every time um because you know how much i'm into celebrity culture and all the rest um so i always ask our guests maybe if they're aware of anyone in the in the public eye maybe that has their condition because i think sometimes even even for somebody with a condition quite often they might be aware of of public figures that might be having the same thing but quite often for others they might that might go unnoticed so i just wondered are you aware of anyone in the celeb world uh, with autism that potentially people might not be aware of? The most famous example is Temple Grandin, to the point where they made a biopic about her and asked Kelsa, please, Claire Danes, <laughs> an able-bodied person, plays her in the biopic. <laughs> um, great, wunderbar. Um, uh, I think Temple Grandin, I think she's like a... Um, She's definitely like in plants and like about biology. Um, right. It's been said um, Albert Einstein had autism. Hmm. Um, oh God, I did a whole thing um, where I was researching who had autism and now it's just completely slipped my mind. But yeah, Temple Grandin is probably the most famous example of people with of a person with autism. Right. I just wondered, have you got any sort of like advice for listeners who might think that they are autistic after hearing you share your own experiences with it? Like what kind of support is out there for people? Well, I think firstly, because I realised I spent most of this podcast not really describing how my autism manifests itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe saying what my experience is like, it might have people are like, oh, I, I go through that. Maybe I am autistic. So basically the way my autism manifests itself is that I sometimes, I mean, it's a similar thing of like, if, it, if I'm in a loud environment or there's a lot of visual going on, I do get like really overwhelmed and I might need to take a breather for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like sarcasm not very good at there's a subtext there <laughs> that my brain just doesn't get on the wavelength of especially through text sometimes it's difficult to read the tone sometimes of what people are saying because I'm like normally because I've been so trained to listen to body of to watch body language and the intonation of voices when you don't mm. have that um on a text message you're like are they joking or do they hate me? <laughs> um, uh, I'm just trying to think of, of other things. It's also for me, I have to budget my energy. Like when I know I have a Zoom call that day, I know I can't have any plans after because mm-hmm. I know that I'll just get really tired and I just won't be functioning to the best of my ability. Um, and when I have these um, kind of auty meltdowns, I genuinely like, it just gets it feels like my brain is vibrating or is being pricked by a million needles, um, which I know is a very visceral image, but it's just, 
my brain is working so hard it's just it's almost like it's overheating um mm. with what's going on I mean in that okay so in the example university and there was someone that came in and didn't allow people to have laptops mm-hmm. mm. that was the absolute worst for me that day because my laptop is usually there like if my concentration, like, because there's only so long I can really maintain eye contact with or, like, a, the, the listen to someone before I need, like, a distraction. So, I, like, I usually have my laptop and it might look bad, but I might have Twitter up or something just to kind of give myself a backup to, like, if I need to flick off somewhere. But yeah. in that moment, because I wasn't allowed my laptop, my eyes and my and my brain we're just trying to find something else to focus on. It was darting around mm. so much that my brain got worked up and got really stressed. And it got to a point where I was so overwhelmed. My brain was overworking so hard when it didn't need to. I just, uh, I had to leave that room. And I just went into a room and cried because it was mm. like this, this explosion of stress and like energy that I couldn't get rid of. Um, and it took mm. a, like a good like couple of hours that day to kind of um, get myself back on track. But it's just moments like that where people just don't realize that um, people have mechanisms in place to help them and restricting mm. them of that really mm. makes the situation a lot worse. Um, so yeah, in terms of autism, it's just basically reading a situation or you get overwhelmed really easily with very loud environments um uh and I think there is a lot of overlap with other disabilities I think because because I might say I find it difficult to read because I can't concentrate and they're like well but isn't that ADHD or is that dyslexia and I'm like Mm. well no I think my brain still works differently to that but like Mm. okay fine um but yeah if you feel like you have any of these experiences a good charity that I um recommend is Scope Mm-hmm. um I worked with them when I did a stand-up gig for charity um and it was in support for scope um and they were really great really helpful and they basically um support uh families who have an autistic child or help um autistic people help them find jobs or basically just provide um like therapies or like talking they're a really good charity um mm-hmm. pardon me sorry um uh, and uh there's there's men cap as well i know there is um but there's a lot of twitter accounts actually there's one i follow called save the neurotypicals where they kind of react to news and information but it's just good because it gives you a kind of subconscious reinforcement of non of neurodiverse people out there mm. on social media which i quite like um I think that's it in terms of what my brain is able to summon up for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's well, great. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, Carrie, as well, for chatting to us. It's been yeah. really educational as well. Thank you, Carrie. No, it's been really lovely. I just know that um, when I when I when I realised you were doing this podcast, I mean, um, I've gone up to um, the your OCD episode. I just listened to that. Um, I have a huge backlog, um, <laughs> but, but I I really appreciate those because having such frank and honest conversations from almost from the horse's mouth, mm. uh, for want of a better phrase. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, but like hearing from actual people with these conditions of like an honest conversation of their frustrations of representation or their frustrations with, with preconceptions or just how they live their day-to-day life with their disability has been so brilliant. And I hope um, um, people that take from to take the information from this podcast and any other um news resources they can find and learn that disability is so much more complex and nuanced and there isn't mm. just like you have this or you have this there's so many mm. um uh, um support systems in place for people with disabilities that yeah. uh, you know you can't shove them all in a box no. <laughs> thank you so much for being a guest this week carrie i feel like I've learned so much from it and we'll pop the links to those two charities you mentioned in the description so people could go and check out more information and support if they feel they need it. But thank you for coming on. Um, I'm Bethany. You've been listening to Stephen, Zoe, Cameron and our guest Carrie. See you soon. Bye. 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 <laughs>